Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Aligned and Well podcast. I'm Nurse Coach Sean, your host. You'll have to excuse my voice. I am, you know, getting over two weeks of being sick and my voice is not quite the same still. But I'm really excited about the interview that I have for you guys today. I'm interviewing Dr. Jane Tornator from here in Seattle, Washington. She is a therapist and a coach who has dedicated her career to helping people be kinder to themselves. And I was just so excited to connect with her. Um, These are the types of conversations that I want to continue having on this podcast. It's just so, um, it's just so aligned with the message that I want to send. And, uh, you know, she works with intelligent, motivated, high achieving women who are committed to being better people. Um, Dr. Jane has authored over 20 articles and published a book called Everything is Perfect, Just Not Me, a roadmap for self-acceptance. So uh, I'm really excited uh, to share this conversation with y'all. And uh, today we're really going to be talking and diving deep into how to make self-care not feel selfish. So I hope you enjoy our talk. Hi, friends. My name is Sean Arsenault, but you can call me Shawnee. I'm a board certified nurse coach and holistic healer, and I want to help you transform your life in a way that feels in total alignment with your heart and who you truly are. Each week, I'll be sharing with you my tips on how to become more empowered in your own wellness journey and create a vibrant, fulfilling life that reflects your values and your truth. You'll hear insightful interviews on different life and wellness topics and stories from myself and other beautiful souls who share my mission of spreading love and light in this sometimes dark world. My hope for this podcast is that you will walk away feeling inspired and more aligned in your purpose. This is your permission to get curious and lean into your intuition as we all learn and grow together. Welcome to the Aligned and Well podcast. All right. Well, Dr. Jane, I am so excited to have you to interview with me on my podcast. Thank you so much. I hope this is half as good as the other podcasts of yours I've listened to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a feeling it's going to be amazing. So um, before we just before we dive into our conversation, can you give us like a short introduction of yourself, who you are, um, and what you do? Yeah. You know, I love that question. And I get a different answer every single time. (laughs) So I'm a therapist, a coach, and an author. Mm -hmm. And really who I am is I'm committed to helping people be free, Mm. free to be their own inner essence self versus all the rules we learned of who we should be to be safe in the world. So that's really why I'm here to free us to be actually ourselves, our true selves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so amazing. That's such a, that's, it's a simple description, but also it's so powerful. And we'll dive a little bit more into like exactly what kind of work you do, but I want to know what, what was it that inspired you to get into this work and, and to become a therapist and a coach and, um, a wellness professional in this particular way? Well, about six gazillion things. The universe is clearly <laughs> like, Jane, be a therapist, right? <laughs> So um, the thing I think I'll, I'll speak of today is um, when I was in grad school, I had already decided I wanted to be a therapist because I was in New York City doing advertising 
and I sucked at it. I was really, really bad. I was dyslexic and I was working with numbers and it was awful, right? It was just, yeah. it was not where I should be. So I went to school, but really what set me off on this whole self-love and self-compassion journey that I'm so committed to is when I was in grad school, I was dating a guy and I decided we were going to get married. And then uh, he left me for a woman he'd already been with before. Mm. And I, speaking of external lessons, somewhere along the line, like nobody ever said this to me, but somewhere along the line, I heard you are valuable if a partner loves you. Mm. Right? In this case, I'm valuable if he loved me. And then when he left, all my value left with him because mm. this is what I'd learned, right? Yeah. I don't know why I learned it, but I had. And so I was literally suicidal yeah. over the loss. What's my purpose here? If I can't have him, then I, then, then I don't deserve anybody or to live or just wacky, wacky thoughts. And then um, I was reading a book and I can't find, I can't find which book it was, but it was one of those self-help books. And I read the line, the other person hurt you once. You hurt yourself a thousand times with every thought you have about that person's situation whatsoever. And I was like, mm. I had not talked to my ex in like two months and I was miserable. I was drinking all the time. I was like, I'd work, come home and drink and watch TV. And that's all I could do. Right. Mm. Or, and exercise. I could still exercise, which is amazing. I lost a lot of weight. So, yeah. <laughs> but I heard that and went, I'm letting him dictate who I think I am. Yeah. Letting him dictate my, my happiness, my worth. And I thought that belief doesn't work for me anymore. It was, it was like this crystal clear, ah, uh, time for something different. So yeah. I'm forever grateful because if he had not split up with me, I would have always believed, oh, I'm okay. Cause I got a husband. Yeah. Right. So I did, I realized, oh, it's time for me to be okay all by myself. Yeah. So that's my mission, whether we're partnered or not, to be okay with ourselves is my goal. Yeah, absolutely. I love that message. And I think that's so important too for, for women now to hear because, you know, and I think this is just like a generational thing passed down to us, but like, you know, I really think that it's just harped on us from a very young age that we ha we only have value if if we can find a partner if we can find a husband if we can get married and have the kids and have that that cookie cutter life right and so that's really amazing to to hear that transformation and to hear you say um you know that belief doesn't work for me anymore it's no longer serving me <laughs> so um wow there's so much there um so some follow-up questions I had for you was, what do you typically see now in the women that you work with? Um, what do you think the main gaps are when it comes to women struggling to truly like love themselves and be okay with themselves? Yeah. I think it's what I talked about, the external worlds we learned about how we should be when it yeah. doesn't fit with our true alignment of who we actually are. Mm -hmm. And so we've got this dissonance of the world, society, family, friends, work, whatever, telling us, be this, be this, be this. And we're like, okay, I'm trying to be that, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And in that case, we can't. And this is why I love being a therapist and a coach, because people will share stuff with me that they can't share anywhere else, mm -hmm. which to me is profoundly honoring and profoundly sad. Yeah. As we have to show our 
quote, best self, which is the, the societally approved self. Mm-hmm. And so we never feel seen because we aren't showing our, our shadow, our messy bits, the parts that don't fit with how we're told we're supposed to be. Yeah. So I think it's that, that, that misalignment between who we're told we should be and who we actually are. Yeah. So that I think is the biggest thing, which causes the most distress, the most stress, the most, I'm not seen, I'm not valued. So that's, that's, I think what underlines it all. Yeah. Um, The second thing is, and I work with high achieving women. I work with a lot of people, but high achieving women seem to be the ones who like come to me. Yeah. They think that they're worthy if they're doing and producing. Oh, and so like the self-care thing, and I know you're big on self-care and self-love and self-compassion. They feel guilty because that's not, pro- quote, producing anything useful. I mean, yeah. it totally is. It is amazingly powerful. But unless we see the widget being produced, um, we don't feel useful. Like for me, I love reading almost more than anything. I just love reading. Always have since I was a little kid. And um Sometimes every once in a while, I'll spend like half the day reading. I won't do anything. I'll just be in bed or on my couch reading because it makes me so happy. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm fighting this. You should be doing something. Uh-huh. You haven't done this yet or this yet. Remember, this is on your list. What are you doing? Just being here, enjoying yourself. Yeah. So I now know enough to go, I hear you. Be quiet. I want to read. But it's, a, it's still for me, even though my whole life is about self-care and self-compassion and self-love. It's still a battle of those external or those now internally planted voices of this is what you do to be a good person in this world. Yeah. Instead of this is what you do to be good to yourself in this world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I resonate so deeply with that. I literally just had this realization because I've, I've been sick for the past two weeks. Right. And so I, I took like seven days off. And I'm, I've been doing nothing and I've been laying in bed and I spent like the majority of that time that I took off feeling so guilty about it. And I, 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 I literally thought that like, you know, the, the society that we live in today is so focused on our value based off of like what we produce on productivity and, um, the idea that like, if we're not doing what we should be doing or, um, you know, doing work or showing up to a job or creating content or, you know, whatever we need to do, then we're not valuable and that we're not, you know, like a, a an actual part of society. And it, it took me so long to realize that rest can also be productive and that, you know, taking care of ourselves, whatever that looks like, if it's reading, if it's laying in bed to let your body recover that can also be productive. <laughs> so yeah, everything that you said just really resonated with me, especially in this time where I'm like taking some time off and, um, and really battling too. That's so crazy that there's, there's always that voice that, that we battle with that says, you know, we really should be doing this. Like we're wasting so much time by being in bed and by doing things that we love. And why does it have to be that way? You know? One of the things I use with my clients and with myself all the time is um, the concept of the family rule. Mm-hmm. And so if clients are, they're, they're resisting doing something which they love and is healthy and good for them, but they just aren't allowed to do it. 
in inside, they aren't allowed to do it. I say to them, so would this be okay for anybody else to do? Like, would you say to anybody else, oh, you're sick. You should get up and, and produce content anyway. You should be doing <laughs> so videos. true. You should be doing all this stuff. Even though you're sick, you'd go, no, you would never, you would never say that to somebody else. Yeah. So you heal yourself. You get better. You heal. Right. Yeah. So if it's okay for somebody else, but it's not okay for us, then 11 times out of 10, we're breaking a family rule. Right. Right. Yeah. We're breaking some rule we learned somewhere when we were very young of this is how I'd be a good human being. Yeah. But it's okay for other people. It's just a rule just for us. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. And the, you know, that idea of like taking care of ourselves. I mean, first of all, self-care is kind of a buzzword right now, right? Like everybody's talking about self-care. What would you say your definition of self-care is? Oh my goodness. What I love I'm now hearing is that people are starting. I love that question because people are starting to question what self-care is because Self-care now has become another way. I don't do self-care enough. Like it's another way to beat ourselves up. It's another should. Yeah. I know. Actually, this is a good question because I don't actually have a definition for self-care, but I'll tell you how I like to operationalize it. Yeah. Being kinder in how we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Taking little moments of space just for us, whether it's silence or five minutes to read or just to step outside and listen to the birds, like little moments of being with us and listening to our voice and go, is that really the voice I want to listen to? Mm -hmm. That's what I am now. That's how I'm now working with self-care. Yeah. I love that. The simplicity of it too. Like people think that it has to be this complicated thing. Like self-care means going to do yoga or doing like an intense workout or eating like only fruits and vegetables. Like self-care yeah. can be so, so simple. Yeah. So simple. And I think that's the most powerful self-care. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you can be so present with it too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so much of our um, stress and depression and anxiety is separation from what's really happening with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was literally, I did another interview with another therapist who specializes in trauma and she was saying how anxiety, whenever we're living in anxiety, we're living in fear of the future or what's going to happen or what could happen. And when our depression is usually linked to some time in the past and really it's so important for our own wellness to just be present in the current moment because that is, that's what life is, is every, is little moments, every Every second, you know? Yeah. And in the present moment is the only time we can actually create change. We can't create change in the past. We can't create change in the future. Present moment is the only time we can create change. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a hard place to be. (laughs) It is. Yeah. It is a really hard place to be because, you know, just society and the the, so many external forces that want us to, to, focus on the future or want us to focus on the past. Um, you know, sometimes I think whenever we practice self-care, there's guilt or shame that, or, you know, a sense of feeling, um, selfish about it. And where do you think that comes from? That's a great question. I would (laughs) like to know who made up the rule that self-care was selfish. Um, (laughs) Right. Right. I think that Many of us learned, and I'm one of them, that other people's needs are more important than mine. 
Mm, yeah. And I find especially that people who are high achievers, especially have guilt because yeah. one of the things that I notice in myself and my clients is that I'm good, right? I can figure stuff out. I can make it happen. If things aren't going my way, I will twist myself in a pretzel. So it'll go the other person's way because, you know, they need help and I'm going to, I'll figure it out. I'll gut it out. I'm fine. I can do it. Right. Yeah. So because I think I'm in what's really interesting is in a way it's a very um, arrogant viewpoint. Yeah. Oh, I can, I can handle the, the discomfort. You can't. So I'm going to do it. So you don't have to be uncomfortable. I'll be uncomfortable because I can handle it. But what, what we're really saying is you're weaker than I am. Ah. That's really what we're saying. We think we're being kind and generous and altruistic, and we're basically giving the message, you can't handle it, honey. I can handle it. I'll do it. That is such an interesting way to look at it because I would have never thought that. But like when you say it to me, I'm like, you know what? That's probably what I've been thinking, you know, whenever I sit there and try to like take on everybody else's needs and like completely ignore my own. Yeah, I'm the strong one. I can take that. Yeah, right. So it's not a bad thing. Like our guilt is actually not, a, it's out of a good hearted um, belief and stance and way of being. Yeah. It's just that we learned it wrong. Right. Because we're not teaching them that self-care is important. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them that it's okay to, especially, oh my goodness, I, I've got a niece and I hammer this message into her. Yeah. Of, yeah. If you aren't taking care of yourself, you're teaching the younger ones that that's not what's important. So we're actually mm-hmm. passing it down generation to generation through what we think is a good hearted action. Right. Yeah. My belief is different on this than many people, but. I mean, true. I love it though, because you're so right. Like in order to model self-care and this is one of the things that I think also, because I felt so bad, I had to cancel some client calls, but it's also modeling to like the people that we help that we're taking care of ourselves. And every single appointment that I canceled, every single call that I canceled, everybody was like, I'm so glad you're taking care of yourself. They all like said some variation of the same thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm really glad I did this too. (laughs) So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you have a client that comes in and is really struggling to practice self-care is really struggling to just like, you know, have that love for themselves, that care for themselves. What is your typical, and and I know it probably looks different for each person, but what is your typical process for like guiding women to trust themselves and and to trust their decisions more when it comes to taking care of themselves? Well, first of all, as you're, as you're talking about, we, you know, we've got unconscious beliefs. We've got these unconscious family rules. They aren't even conscious. We aren't saying to ourselves, I don't deserve self-care, but they do like, we aren't saying that consciously. Right. Right. Like one of the things I always say to my clients is if you want to change a behavior or a thought pattern or a habit or something, yeah, because it's a good idea, it's, you know, it's healthy. You want to, it's important. And, but you aren't doing it. Then always there's some unconscious belief getting in your way. Mm-hmm. Like always, because mm-hmm. it's a good idea consciously or absolutely. Of course I'm going to do that. I'm not doing it. It's mm-hmm. an unconscious belief. So one of the ways I like getting, starting to, to make those more conscious. And so we can shift them because one of my theories is that beliefs are just thoughts. We keep thinking mm-hmm. repetitive thoughts become beliefs. Mm-hmm. So we do other repetitive thoughts. 
And one of the things I do is if they're like, oh, I can't do, oh, self-care is so selfish. I can't do it. I say, well, would you like to take more time for self-care? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they say, not allowed. I'm like, okay, would you, do you want to want to be able to take time for self-care? And almost everybody can say, yeah, I do want to want that. (laughs) And so we start there. Yeah. When I just have them remember and notice and be aware of, I want to want this. Mm -hmm. I want to want self-care. And then self-care, because almost everyone, they say want to want, they get this little, you know, surge of excitement in their bodies. Yeah. So then self-care is now associated with a happy feeling because oh. right now self-care is associated with selfish, bad, awful contraction, stress, but if it oh. can be associated with a happy feeling, we're now rewiring the neural pathways of self-care is bad, selfish to self-care. Oh, the, the thought of self-care makes me feel good. Whoa. And yeah. so we're more likely to do it if it's associated with a reward versus a punishment. Right. Like, why would we do self-care if we, if we feel bad about it? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. That just makes nobody want to do it. <laughs> exactly. Which is what we see. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I start there. You want to want. And then little itty bitty, like less than five minute things. Yeah. Even if it's taking a breath going, I feel really selfish right now. That's self-care. Yeah. That's self-compassion. That's self-love. I like that you said want to want because like some, you know, some people can want to practice self-care, but like there's that block that, you know, it's not allowed. I can't do that. And, you know, your approach of like beliefs are thoughts that we just keep thinking. And it's a matter of just twisting those thoughts a little bit and making them feel doable, feel like realistic for our current belief system right now and incrementally changing it so that it kind of slowly starts to feel more like what we would like to think. Yes. But doesn't feel so far off from what we have been thinking, you know? Exactly. That's it. Exactly. And that's where we come back to the present moment. Because the only time we can change a past belief to change the future is in this moment. Well, do I want to think that thought that I'm selfish? No, actually, in this moment, I don't. I want to to have self-care be okay. Yeah. It's that moment that's going to start to shift the neural pathways. Mm-hmm. which will lead into the shift in the future. And ironically, because, you know, the neurons that fire together, wire together, these thoughts of, I want to want self-care to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because self-care, the neural pathways of self-care are firing. We're now shifting the past because we're inserting self-care is okay and actually feels good as the past of it being selfish is working. So we're literally changing our beliefs in the past if that makes sense. Yeah. And the future. Yeah. When we revisit a memory, we're like, yeah, it didn't feel good, but you know, I knew, I knew somewhere in me knew self self-care was okay. Right. Yeah. That's what literally happens to our stuff in the, our memories from the past because of this present moment. Self-care is it. I actually like the idea of self-care. Huh? Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah. Do you have like specific, uh, practices that you use with clients if if they're feeling like really stuck and it's hard to like get them out of that like I have to hustle I have to keep going like what are some techniques that you kind of use to to help bring women out of that one of the things I do is have have people hold both okay hold the stress I got to do it like what you were doing 
um, when you're sick. I'm like, I should be doing something, but I want to rest. But I should be doing something, but rest is important. It's exactly what you were, you were holding both. The old message mm-hmm. with your current, and this is what I choose. Mm-hmm. This is what's important. So one of the, you mentioned helping women trust themselves more. One of the things I've found is that the more access we have to what we're feeling in our bodies, mm-hmm. the more we trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's having that, oh, I should do this, but I want to do this. I have them see where in their, where in their body they feel like, yeah, you should, right? We seem to have places where we face constriction. Like a lot of people face it in their chest, their chest gets constricted. Yeah. Mind gets all their brows furrowed or some people, their guts get all in turmoil. It doesn't matter, but however they experience stress of you shouldn't do this, it's bad. So I have them see where that is. Then I say, where in your body is the part that wants it? Mm. And then many people go, I don't know, because we're not taught to search for what we want. We're taught to search for what we should be or discomfort. Or so what feels say, bad. Yeah. 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 We, we automatically no, notice what feels bad, but we don't remark. Like none of us go around going, I'm so healthy. It feels so good to be so healthy until we've been sick. Yeah. Right. I, one of the reasons I wouldn't say I love getting sick, but one of the things I always notice after I get sick is I remember how good it feels to feel healthy and I forget yeah. it. Rest so if they can't access what in there feels hopeful, good, like, oh yeah, this is important. This is good. Then I say, if you were to imagine where it would be, where would you imagine it would be? It doesn't matter where it is. Like they can say they're, you know, right little pinky nail if they want to, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But then I ask them, what color would it be? If it were a temperature, what temperature would it have? Does it have a shape? Mm-hmm. Is it solid? Is it kind of more, you know, uh, fluid? Does it move? Is it still? Is it heavy? Is it light? And so they're creating in their imagination this part that says, yeah, I do want that. Mm-hmm. And by you know thinking of all these, using all those senses, they're creating neural patho- pathway wiring of that. Yes, I do want that feeling. Mm-hmm. So they're literally wiring it more into your, in their brain by just imagining it. Yeah. And some people don't need to imagine that. Oh, it's absolutely my right shoulder, right? They just know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I love hearing you talk about that because I also am so blown away by how powerful our imagination is. Yeah. So I like to think of myself as like a child at heart, just because I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm obsessed with Disney. I love like all of the, the fairy tales and stuff like that. But it's also just because I like accessing that like inner yeah. child almost and, yeah. and that imaginative creative phase of my life where like everything that I thought was true and, right. uh, and we lose that as adults. Like we lose that whenever we get older and we have like the weight of responsibility, the weight of a job, the weight of a family, all this stuff. We start to lose that sense of imagination and that sense yeah. that like things that we imagine can be true, you know? Yeah, that we lose the magic. I yeah. remember my um, stepsister came to visit me. I was in Minnesota at the time, and I took her to the Mall of America. And in the Mall of America is this underwater like tank filled with all these amazing sea creatures. Yeah. Literally are on a um, one of those, what are they called? Moving sidewalks. Yeah, yeah. In the clear tube with all these fish swimming all around you. Yeah. And her son was, I want to say he was about three. 
at the time. So we're going through going, oh my God, there's a shark. There's a manta ray. Look at those fish. Oh my goodness. He's looking at the exit sign on the floor. This red light exit sign. We're like, look at all the fish. And he's fascinated by the exit sign. He's never seen one before. He's (laughs) fascinated by this exit sign, right? We forget the magic that is in the world. Just little simple things. We forget to be fascinated by what the world offers us. And, I think and that's curious too. We yeah, lose our curiosity. We do. Mm-hmm. We do. Curiosity is, it's so powerful. So have you ever found that you can be curious and judgmental, like negatively judgmental at the same time? I don't think so. <laughs> it's not possible. I've tried yeah, it. No. Tried. It's not possible. You can't be, oh, you suck. And be curious about, wow, what's, what's going on? Why are you doing that? Right can't hold them both. So that curiosity is a powerful thing to um, build and to practice and build. Yeah. I find that it's also, it's super helpful too. Like, especially whenever I'm coaching someone, if they say something that is negative about themselves, or like, it just sounds like a a negative belief or something very critical of themselves. I ask them like, that's curious. Why, you know, tell me why. And like once you start to ask why so many times, the really yeah. like deep layers start to come up and yeah. it's just such an interesting tool to use your own personal curiosity to, to challenge your beliefs, to challenge the way that you think and and to change it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I think curiosity enables change to happen. Make it, I think it makes it more possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your book. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your book is about? So it's called Everything is Perfect, Just Not Me, A Roadmap for Self-Acceptance. I love that title, first of all. Um, And I think so many people resonate with that. And can you tell me what inspired you to write it and kind of how how that came about? I, um, for 10 years, my dream was to have a full private pay practice mm-hmm. as a therapist. It took me 10 years to build a full practice, get off insurance. So I get to just get to see people and don't have to worry about doing the insurance wage. I could just work with people the way that was best for them. For 10 years, I wanted that. And then I got it. And then six months later, I'm like, now what? Like, I just seem to want to grow and try new things. It just seems to be part of my personality. So that was accomplished. And then I was on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to change the world, basically. I want more self-compassion and more self-love and self-care because yeah. the world's going to be better the more of us have it. Yes. So I thought, well, I can only work with like 20 clients a week. Yeah. And each year it's kind of like one less client would be perfect. One less is because just because my energy level, it's such intense work to work. But um, I thought if I write a book, I can give some of the core ideas, like what I write in the book, I give to every single client with the exception of one exercise. Um, But that just for certain clients, Mm -hmm. but this is the, the, the core of the message I give my clients. Mm -hmm. And so anybody can have it for 499. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's simple tools. And it's also kind of, I talk about why our brain works the way we do to give us self-compassion of our wacky thoughts. Cause we got a lot of wacky. We ever like said all our thoughts out loud. 
we'd think we were certified with crazy because our ego is weird, right? So, um, so that's why I wrote the book to, to put it in the hands of more people, more than I can reach and more than, you know, if you can't afford to see me, you've got this little, like less than 50 page thing to carry around to start to question those beliefs and make the changes. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I totally agree with you. Like the world will be better when, when more people learn self-compassion and self-love. I think there's just too much terrible, (laughs) you know, programming out in the world that tell us that, that we're not enough, that we're not worthy, that we're not, you know, um, valuable to society if we don't do these certain things. And Yeah. yeah, the more we can really tap into that, that love, that self-compassion for us as individuals, then we'll, we'll also be able to, to give that more to other people. And then, like you yeah. said, the world will just be a better place. Yeah. When we are filled, and I see this in myself, when I feel filled and nurtured, I am just naturally generous. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm feeling, I don't have enough. There's, I don't know. I'm not feeling loved. There's not enough of this. There's not enough of that. I constrict and hold, hold my gifts here because yeah. I might but if yeah. I've got plenty, well, here, you can have some too. I got plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's so important as people who are healers, right? Who who help other people. Yes. It's important for us to do this work ourselves too, because when, you know, we can have a, a great business and, and whatever, but if we don't have that, that consistent practice of self-compassion and loving ourselves, yes. it's it's not going to impact our clients in the same way, you know? No, because we aren't authentically being what we're trying to teach. Right. So it has yeah. more of a hollow ring. Yeah. You know, when you, somebody's saying something, you should do this. And you're like, but, but you know, but you know. <laughs> exactly. you're not doing it. So why should I do it? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I see that so often in general with healthcare, like anyone okay. who works in healthcare, if they're not, you can tell, when they don't practice what they preach. I can tell when my doctor's a smoker and they come in and they smell like yep. smoke. You know what I mean? Like I do. It's just it's so interesting how um it 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 all starts with ourselves. And that's like the most powerful way. <laughs> it does. And so I have a question for you. Now yeah. I have this theory, and so I would like to hear your impression. Nurses seem to have the worst self care of any group of people, nurses and social workers. Yes. Yeah. Right. I totally agree. (laughs) And it's that message of I'm here to give. It's not okay to receive because if I receive, I'm taking away from giving where it's exactly the opposite. Yeah. So it's out of a very good heart. You know, you and probably every other nurse chose the career to help people. Yes. Yeah. Which is hilarious because like I, and that that's honestly part of the, the reason why I shifted from being yeah. a nurse into a nurse coach, because as someone who worked night shifts, who worked 12 hour shifts, who worked overtime, who was required to work overtime by her hospital, it was just like pounded into me that my own needs don't matter. I have to show up to work to help other people and to make this paycheck. Like it doesn't matter that I'm sleep deprived. It doesn't matter that I'm eating terribly. Like I have to show up. And it wasn't until like, I I mean, my own health started to just take some really big hits. And I was like, you know what? I cannot do this anymore. Like I got into nursing to help people and I'm suffering. Like 
what that doesn't sound right. Right. So, <laughs> so I, world does that make sense? It doesn't make any sense at all. I'm not, how can I, how am I supposed to give whenever I am empty? So yeah, yeah, that's like a whole thing. And you're totally right. Like, I feel like nurses and social workers and just anyone in, in that same area, especially ones who work in the hospital and who work with vulnerable populations and are constantly seeing trauma after trauma, like it okay. is, I feel like they need the most help. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What would you say for people who, who don't get the amazing chance to work with you? What would you say are your top three tips for women who are wanting to practice self-care and not feel selfish or guilty about it? Right. So what I said before, start with the, start with changing the belief, the, I want to want. And just notice how your body responds when you say want or I can do self-care versus I want versus want to want, because our bodies will tell us what is true for us and what's not. Mm, One of yeah. the, you know, I love mantras, but I hated them for years because I, you know, I learned, or I thought I learned that you're supposed to, like right out of grad school, I was doing the mind, I'm wealthy. And <laughs> I wasn't wealthy, you know, $50,000 in debt. I was not wealthy. Mm -hmm. I was lying to myself and my body would contract. Yeah. I thought mantras suck. They they actually made me feel worse. Yeah. Because they're supposed to work, but they didn't for me. So now I really suck. Right. Right. So that's why I love the, I want, or I want to want. Mm -hmm. I did want to feel like I had enough money. Absolutely. No question. I could get behind that. That feels good. I'm wealthy. became feeling bad. So money was associated with unhappy feelings, right? Right. So the, the saying I want, or I want to want, and then paying attention to your body. And I'm just going to actually make that a separate tip. Yeah. Our body gives us so much information, like the, the neural pathways between our, our mind, our brain and our, our body, you know, on that they're 20% are geared to go from the brain to the body. And 80% are geared to go from the body to the brain. Yeah. You think our bodies are supposed to be a source of information for us? Just logically, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So the second thing I would say is learn, because most of us have learned not to pay attention to our bodies, especially nurses. Like, (laughs) can't go to the bathroom. You have no time to drink. You have no time to eat. Sleeping, well, good luck. Hopefully you'll get some, Right. We learn, we learn to not pay attention to our bodies. Yeah. So start the practice of paying attention to the body. And it can be simple as rubbing your hands together and Uh noticing what that feels like. It's just little practices to notice our body's important. Yeah. The third I'm going to give you is uh, what I call the feelings model. Uh And I learned this through a very funny story, which we have time. I'll tell. I'll tell the model is this. Like when we like, let's use self-care. I want to do self-care. No, that feels really bad. And we feel awful. Right. Or somebody says, like, I remember I was at, I was at, I used to work at the Alzheimer's association. I was going on vacation and somebody said, well, you take a lot of vacations. The social worker said that to me. <laughs> I felt horribly guilty because she never took vacations. Yeah. So I'm like, I got the vacations, So why not? So I felt really guilty. But what I found is that we, we try to push our feelings away because they feel bad. Yeah. But when we just sit with them, they will, 
our body's process, if we're triggered by a comment or an outside stressor, our body's process is done with that stress within two minutes. Mm-hmm. The neurochemical response is like, yay, we're, we're done. We're having our feelings. We're gone. But we keep it around because we're either repressing, oh, God, I don't want to feel that shame. Or we're like, in this case, well, she should take more vacations. There's nothing wrong. I'm trying to validate why I'm okay mm-hmm, by making mm-hmm. her bad. So we either repress the feeling or we feed the feeling by saying, yeah, here are all these reasons I should feel this. And it always involves, you guys are idiots. Yeah. Right? By doing that, we keep the feeling there. We keep creating the neurochemical process. So we feel bad for a really long time. Yeah. If we just sit and literally feel the physical sensations, yeah, it can be done in two minutes. Full disclosure, for intense emotion, I've never gotten faster than five. Because yeah. it's really hard not to repress or feed. Yeah. So to be with our physical sensation and notice, oh, it's always passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always changing. This is not a never-ending truth that self-care is, is horrible and selfish. It's just a, a passing feeling I had. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the feelings are not permanent. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like no feeling in the history of the world has ever lasted forever. <laughs> right. No feeling has ever lasted forever. So the chances are really good. Yours won't either. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel, and especially whenever a feeling is very negative, like you get yes. so caught up in how it feels in your body too, yes. that it, it triggers all of these other thoughts that feed more negative feelings. And so, exactly. and learning how to like stop that pathway and just to, to allow yourself to feel fully in that moment. Yep. And know that it's passing. Yes. That's like a really powerful, simple. I mean, it's hard, but hard. Yeah. You know, especially when you're not used to doing it. But the more that you do it, the better you get at it. Exactly. It's practice like anything else. Yeah. And you know, high achievers think that they should be able to do it the first time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I tried that once. It didn't work. Oh, okay. Well, I tried it three times. It didn't work. Okay. Well, right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My thought is to like give give them like like a tracker. Like this is how many times you need to try it first before, right, right? <laughs> before you about, come and tell me, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> right. And it's about 500 to six gazillion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where did you where did you learn that? The feelings? Yeah. Oh, well, it it just came to me. I mean, it's true, of course, if anybody, I mean, I learned that the feelings pass within two minutes, but I just didn't really get why. Yeah. So I had uh, a friend of mine was offering massage packages and so I love massage packages, but for me, self-care is like, that's selfish. That's like, I shouldn't spend money on that. I should. So I hardly ever got massages, but she was offering half price. And I'm like, I can help her. I can help me. I can get massages and I can save money. Yay. (laughs) I got one and it was great. And then summer happened and I didn't want to be inside getting a massage in summer. I like to be outside as much as humanly possible. So it was a six month package. One day I'm sitting on my couch and I'm like, I wonder when that massage package is up. So I text her and say, when's that massage package up? She's like, next week. And I went, oh no, (laughs) I got her website. She had no spaces where I could go unless I wanted to cancel clients. And well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I can't choose a massage over a client, right? right. I'm like, I'm screwed. So I was like walking around just being so mad and angry. And, and I was like, well, 
Jane, you shouldn't have gotten the massage package. That was just a stupid idea. Repress, repress, repress. Yeah. Well, she should have let me know it was up. She should have let and I'm like, you know, feed, feed, feed. Yeah. But I'm like, no, she shouldn't have let me know. And you didn't know, of course. So I'm countering these messages, but I'm walking around as grr and just feeling awful. <laughs> yeah. What a dumb idea. That was so dumb. Well, she should have let me. Ugh. And then all of a sudden I stopped and went, I'm just angry because I lost the massages and the money. I'm just angry. Yeah. Right. And so then I'm like, okay, I sat down on my couch and just, and I don't know why I knew to do this. I just sat and just felt the physical sensations of anger. Yeah. And then after about 15 minutes, this was the first time I did it. I got up and went, well, I won't do that again. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, I just didn't want to feel my anger. And once I just felt my anger, it could pass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the really fun part of that story though, is like half an hour after I went through that whole process, she texted me and she said, I can extend that if you want me to. And I'm like, okay, awesome. <laughs> I booked it too right away. Right. <laughs> yes. I love that. That is so, that's, that is such a powerful tool to be able yes. to like, it is so simple. And we tell ourselves that that is so hard to do, that it's so hard to sit in anger or jealousy or like, or sadness or grief or whatever. And it is because, you know, those, those emotions are painful. Those feelings are painful, but what's more painful is to keep feeding them and to keep sitting in it and not let them completely pass through you. You know what I mean? Right. But we don't learn that. I mean, how many times do people say to you, don't cry, don't be angry? Oh my gosh. So many times when I was a kid, so many times. (laughs) Basically don't feel, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel. So we learn that. Yeah. I mean, I love my parents, but the amount of times that they told me to stop crying, like I was just, I'm thinking of like, wow, I was, I I couldn't feel, you know, like I wasn't allowed to feel any kind of negative emotion and that's not anything that to do with them. Right. Passing on what they learned to keep you safe. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) antidepressant, antidepressants, antidepressants, you can't feel, so we got to numb them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying medication should never be used at all. Right. It's a disservice when we learn that we, that our feelings are not okay to feel. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Dr. Jane, this has been an amazing conversation. And I, I want to leave with just one question because I always ask every single one of my guests this, since this is the Aligned and Well podcast, mm-hmm. what um, what does being aligned and well mean to you? Mm. For me, it is feeling like I'm acting and thinking with what is true f- true and good for me. Mm-hmm. Because if it's true and good for me, it's always for the good, for the best, for the highest world. Or well, let me say that again. I'm getting a little distracted because my cats are fighting right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. As I'm talking about aligned, and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> So when we're acting according to our internal, what is, what is true for us, our values, mm-hmm. then we are aligned and well, when we are yeah. acting according to what is, you know, our values, not what other people tell us our values should be. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things I find is when we are aligned, unless we've got a mental illness, 
like a really serious mental illness, we always want to do what is best for us in the world. Yeah. Who we naturally are. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that. That's actually one of the very first like exercises that I do with my clients is like, let's figure out your values, like what yes. your values are, not what yes. everybody else thinks that they should be, but what do you want to like live into in this world? You know, um, awesome. oh, it's amazing. Awesome. Well, before we go, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and follow you? Um, where are you hanging out? Thanks for asking that. So my website is everydaylove.me. I, I have this, um, what I call the intuitive decision-making method to help mm. people tap into their body, to help them make decisions that are aligned with their inner knowing versus the external shoulds. Yes. And that's it. Everydaylove.me backslash body test. Got it. And then you can find my book, Everything's Perfect, Just Not Me at Amazon. Or if you sign up for my love notes, which I send out, sporadically, um, <laughs> then I will send a free PDF of my book. Love it. Okay. All of those links will be in the show notes for any of you guys who want to check that out. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Jane, for oh. interviewing with me. Oh yeah, go ahead. I no, I'm just so, I'm just so happy. I loved this interview. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was so excited to have you on. I think this, this interview is going to touch so many people. Um, and I just, I love, I love our conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all of Dr. Jane's information in the show notes if you'd like to connect with her. If you have any questions for me, or if you'd like to work with me in some way, I do offer free discovery sessions every month. And I also have a free community on Facebook focused on cultivating self-love, holistic wellness support, and just building a life that is aligned with your heart. You can find the link to both of those in the show notes. I would love to hear your feedback. If you are listening on a podcast platform where you can leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. And if this episode resonated with you at all, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and take a screenshot of the episode. Share it on social media and tag me at Nurse Coach Sean. Thanks so much, guys. And as always, I'm here to serve and support you in the most powerful way. <laughs>